to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. enjoyed preaching this series on marriage. Today's the last day, and um, I want you to stand with me. We're going to read the Word of God. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, and this is sort of the classic scripture about um, marriage as far as a New Testament perspective. And so we're going to read this, and then I'm going to talk to you today. And uh, even though this is truly classic as far as it applies to husband and wife. There are things I'm going to say today that will apply to everybody. So you can glean from this message, not just you don't have to be married to glean from this. And I've really worked hard to not make this a marriage seminar. I've taught uh, several marriage seminars and classes through the years, but I did not want this to be a marriage seminar. I want to be able to preach the word. So Ephesians chapter five, beginning at verse 22. All right, here's what Paul writes. Wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject, is what it's implying, to their own husbands in everything. All right, then he switches gears. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And then he quotes the Genesis passage. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, Paul said, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Then he wraps it up. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right, thank you. You can be seated. Thanks for respecting the word this morning. Um, Someone has said that marriage is a relationship in which one person is always right and the other person is usually the husband. Uh, So I thought you might get a kick out of that. I heard the story of uh, a man, he once told his own story. He said his lawnmower broke and his wife kept nagging him about getting it fixed. And so he told her, he said, well, I'll get around to it. But he said, I've got other more, more important things that, that I've got to tend to, like hunting and fishing and golfing and watching ESPN, you know, those important things in life. And so she decided she was going to fix him and she was going to make a point. And he comes home one day and sitting in the tall grass in the front yard is, is his wife snipping the grass with a small pair of sewing scissors. And he stared at her for a minute and then walked into the house and came back out with a toothbrush and looked at her and said, well, if you're going to mow the grass, you might as well sweep off the driveway when you're finished. (laughs) He then said the doctor told him that he would walk again, but that he will always have a limp. (laughs) Marriage experts tell us 
that there are there is a primary need each for the husband and the wife. As a matter of fact, when I've taught seminars, uh, I talk about the five basic needs of a husband and the five basic needs of a wife. And at the top of my list are these two needs. Experts tell us that these, these two needs are the primary ones. So I'm going to share them with you today. So hopefully today, wives, husbands, we're going to really help you today. This is hopefully a message that you're going to leave here, and hopefully your marriage will be stronger than ever. A husband's primary need is support. Support. Now, what does that mean, ladies? What, do, what is your husband looking for? He wants, he wants a wife that's going to stand with him and stand by him no matter what. You know the old song, stand by your man? There's some scriptural truth to that, or at least psychological truth. I'm going to show you scriptural truth in a minute. But a man wants his wife to encourage him, to esteem him, to respect him, to uh, support him in his endeavors, in what he's trying to do. And let me explain. Let's say a husband has a really, really bad day at work. His boss reams him out. He comes home, and he's telling his wife, man, my boss told me I did a horrible job, and they... He just reamed me out, and, and, and man, it, it was hard. He just, a good wife will look at him and say, you know what, honey, your boss is an idiot. They, they ought to be lucky that they have you. They're lucky that they have you, because as far as I'm concerned, you're the best employee they got down there. Don't you listen to him, don't you? You go there tomorrow, and you just show him who you are and what you can. Now, that's what a good wife does. And you, say, and you wives are saying, really? Yeah, because you know what that does to a man? That bolsters that man where, where the boss has knocked him down, your, your praise and compliments and esteem to him immediately builds him back up. And he goes, yeah, you're right, baby, I am. I'm going to show him tomorrow. You don't understand not just the power of your touch, ladies, but the power of your words. Doing to me again, but that was good, Pastor. Hold on, I got some more. Okay. Wives. Ben, you want to know what a wife's number one need is? Security. She wants to be made to feel safe. Your wife wants you to make her feel at least as secure as her daddy did. At least. She saw something in you that said, he'll take care of me. So she wants you to protect her every way. Not just physically, but emotionally, mentally. So you have to be careful what you say. You have to be sensitive to her needs, her feelings. Okay, spiritually, you're to protect her. You don't let the devil get in your house or in your marriage. You're a warrior. You're going to fight for her. She's your, she's, she's your princess. You're the knight in shining armor. Ladies, by the way, men love quests. We do. We love quests. And so that, that's part of our DNA. I hate this thing where we're, we're trying to beat down manly, manlyhood in America. Y'all seeing how that's happened? We're, there's an attack on men. But I'm going to tell you what, you attack men and weaken men, you weaken the nation. Pastor, my God, preach it. Come on. Amen, I will. You break down the manhood, you break down the, the strength of the nation. Men are supposed to be strong and men are courageous and men want to conquer something. We want to climb the mountain. We want to go into the depths of the sea. We want to shoot something, skin it out and eat it. Okay. And so we take that, that's in us. And so now you're the wife, you're our wife. You're our, you're, you're our treasure. We want to protect you and we're warriors, see? And man, you got to translate that not just in physical life, but in spiritual life. That's what a wife wants, she wants to make. And then when the kids come along, she wants 
you, she wants to feel like that you're protecting the kids, supplying all the needs, you know, house, roof over the head, clothes on their back, food on the table, and just creating a safe environment. See, that's what a woman wants. And that's been proven time and time and time and time again. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing so that we, we're not in a marriage seminar. In the passage that we just read, God, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, gives direct commands to a husband and to a wife. And guess what two needs this passage addresses? A woman's need for security and a husband's need for support. So you want to look at it? The first one, ladies first, are the wives. And here's what he says. Basically, wife, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Now, I know that through the years, women have looked at that passage, and they're not quite sure how to take it. And I remember doing a wedding one time, and we were in the rehearsal, and the couple was using the Episcopalian vows, the classical vows that you, you see on television, many people use, and it's the one that's used in, in my ministry, has been 99% of the time. And I'll have the woman repeat after me, um, I take you so-and-so to be my lawfully well husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, to love, cherish, and to obey till death do you part. And I, I was in one particular wedding rehearsal, and we were just going through it real quick. And I remember the, that the bride stopped and said, wait a minute, I don't know about that obey part. And, and, I, and she was kidding, but you could, you could tell there was about that much seriousness in her voice. We've created in our American culture this concept, especially with feminism, that, that no man's going to tell me what to do. And misogyny has become one of the words that you hear all the time. And misogynists and male chauvinism. And if you read a lot, you'll hear about patriarchism and, and how we're a patriarchal society. It's all about the man. And, and, and we're beating down the man and we're trying to say, you're not going to tell me what to do. And what we're doing is... I know what we're fighting. I know the abuses that we're fighting. I understand where that's come from society, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how in a home and in a family and in a group structure, somebody has to be in charge. And God says the man is to be in charge. And so wife, you are to submit to your husband. So I just want to talk about that for just a few minutes because we need to understand this, ladies, so that we don't have the wrong concept. And men, so we don't have the wrong concept. Okay, so here's what he says, submit. That word is a military term. There are a lot of military terms that used in the Bible. Repent is a military term in the Bible. Okay, so it means to do an about face. Submit means to rank under or to stand under. Now, I never served in the military. I almost did, but I didn't because I guess God wanted me to be in the Lord's army rather than the United States army. But uh, I, I, was, I was seriously considering going in the military when I graduated high school, but instead I went to college and God called me in the ministry. Um, but here, I do understand, I was always fascinated with the military. So a private is subordinate to a sergeant. And the sergeant is subordinate to the lieutenant. And the lieutenant stands under the rank of the captain. And the captain stands under the rank of the major. And the major stands under the rank of the colonel. And the colonel stands underneath the rank of the general, and so on and so forth. Are you with me? So everybody has somebody that they are subordinate to. That's the way that the military is structured, and that's what it's talking about. And by the way, in the military, and those of you who serve in the military understand this experientially, there are two things that happen in the military when you start talking about rank and subordination. Number one is respect. You are always to respect those that you are subordinate to. That's why they salute. Okay? That's, that's an expression of, of respect. That's also why in boot camp they tell you to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Okay, yes, sir, sergeant, sir. 
They're, they're beating that civilian mindset out of you and, and trying to mold you into a soldier. The second thing, so that's one respect. The second part of subordination, and it's implied in this word in the, in the Greek, is obedience. So in the military, the commanding officer, whether that's a NCO or a, a, a CO, if it's a non-commissioned officer, it doesn't matter. If the sergeant gives an order to the private, look, what's re, what is expected is that the private is to obey. If it's a corporal, the corporal's to obey. You are supposed to obey what the sergeant says. The sergeant's going to do what the lieutenant tells him, the platoon leader. That's expected. If there's not obedience, then the whole system falls apart. And so that's what Jesus has in mind, what God has in mind, and through the Apostle Paul, what he has in mind. And he's saying submit. Now, before I get into that, I want to talk about submission because I think sometimes we get submission as a negative thing. I'm going to help you understand submission is a positive thing straight from the scriptures, okay? Do you want to know what the Bible has to say about submission? All right, here's what it says. First of all, it says that every believer is supposed to submit to Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? Okay, there's one. If you go to verse 21, if you're getting bored, okay, look, just look at your Bible, don't look at your phone, and look at the verse before 22, 21, and look what it says. You know what it says? It says, we as believers are supposed to submit to one another. So I'm not supposed to always be looking out for me I'm supposed to be looking out for you because we're brothers and sisters. How many of you had a little brother, sister? Physical, little brother, sister. Did you look out for him? Did you ever look out for him? Right, like you could fight him and nobody else could, right? Right? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. We're family. So we submit to one another. We look out for one another. All right, here's another one. Church members, several passages say this. Church members are supposed to submit to the leadership of the, of the church. Right? The Bible says, obey those who are over you in the Lord. Yeah, obey. So, so yeah, parents, children are supposed to submit to their parents, right? Because their parents stand over them and rank. So submission is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. Now, the Bible speaks against being self-seeking, being self-indulgent, being self-serving. Those things are sin. But it commands self-denial, right? So deny yourself for the sake of somebody else. Jesus said, if any man or woman would come after me, he or she must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. So if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to learn to submit. And the people who struggle in their walk with God are people who say, Jesus is Lord, but I'm going to go party this Friday night and do what I want to and don't care what he says. That's not submission. That's why I always try to tell people, when you get saved, you don't just accept Jesus as your Savior. You have to accept Jesus as Lord. You, you, you don't, he just doesn't wash away your sins. You submit to his lordship and his leadership, and you become a follower of Jesus and his teachings. You cannot have a healthy and successful marriage if one or both spouses have to get their own way or get what they want all the time. That marriage is going to have trouble. It's going to be dysfunctional. Covenant marriage is about self-denial and submission because it considers the needs of my spouse over my own needs. So wife, what I want to say to you today is no matter what your husband does, or does not do. He doesn't have to meet your standard. You are to submit to his leadership and respect him. That's covenant. 
Good job, pastor. I like that one. Second service didn't do me this way. Y'all, y'all tough. I'm going to give you one more thing. Jesus modeled submission himself by submitting to the heavenly father, right? We're entering, we're going to finish this series today. And next Sunday, I'm going to start a new series that's going to take us into Easter. We're three Sundays away from Easter. So I'm going to start next week with a series that God's given me. And we're going to all the way up into Easter. So we're moving into the resurrection, the death resurrection. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane on the eve of his crucifixion. And the father is wanting the son to go to the cross and die. That's his will. And Jesus has submitted to this. He knows it. He's predicting it until the night before. And in his divinity, he's ready to go. But in his humanity, he's not. Because who wants to die? And so he's down on his knees, sweating as it were, great drops of blood, unbelievable stress and duress, crying out to the Father saying, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Do we have a plan B? And the Father said, no, there is no plan B. If you're going to do what I want you to do, you have to go to the cross. And Jesus submitted to the lordship of God because even God teaches us submission within his own self. That's just some deep theology I gave you. And so he said, not my will, not my, what I want. I don't have to get my way. Ladies, are you hearing me? I don't have to get my way on this one. Not my will, but your will be done. Okay, so submission is not a bad thing. Submission is a godly thing. So here's what God says, wife. Take your divinely appointed place in the marital relationship and accept and respect your husband's role as the leader. Because God has established that the husband is the leader of the home. He is the head of the family. Now, if you have a husband that's ungodly, that's, that's not going to happen totally, right? Because he's not going to be the spiritual leader. But as much as possible, if you, have an, if you have a husband who's not saved, you still want to respect him and you still want to honor him and you still want to let him be the leader of the home as long as he's leading you in ways that are in line with the Holy Scriptures. But guys, leading is not the same as domineering. Did y'all hear me, man? It means that you are to look out for your wife and protect her. It also does not mean that she is second to you or inferior to you or that you are superior to her. It simply means that you are called to lead and your wife is called to follow. Okay. And by the way, guys, I've learned that most women I've ever met have said, I want a man who could, who'll take the lead. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to take you back to when you dated. And if anybody here is not married and you're wanting to get married, I'm going to help you right now. You need to pay attention. You've got a girl that a guy likes her and he asks her out for a date. She says, yeah. He says, I'll pick you up Friday night at 6 o'clock. He pulls up to the house. He walks up. She's gotten dressed. She looks good. She smells good. She gets in the car with him. And the first thing she says is, what are we going to do tonight? The worst thing you can do is say, I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to do? Now, here's what's going to happen on that date. 
Right then and there, she's going, what an idiot. I'm in the car with an idiot. I got all dressed up for this. But she's kind, and she's going to go on a date with you, and she's going to get through it. She's going to pay her dues and get through it. And when she comes home and gets out, she's going, he's going to say, can, can I have your number? Can I call you? She's going to say, no. I enjoyed it, but I think we're just going to be friends. You're going to get the friends thing. And she's going to walk in the house, and you're going to say, but I spent $26.18 on you. She's going to say, I don't care. And she's going to go in the house, and she's going to say, I don't, I'm never going to date that guy again. Am I right, ladies? I have yet to meet a woman who's, t- I've told that story many, I've yet to meet a woman who says I'm wrong. But that same girl gets a call from another guy, and she gets out, she gets all dressed up, she smells good. She gets in the car, she looks over and says, well, what are we going to do tonight? He says, well, I thought we'd go to the Italian restaurant, then there's a new movie that's coming out, I thought we'd go watch that movie. You know what she says? That sounds wonderful. And she's thinking, yeah, got a man with a plan. Am I right, ladies? Now, men, the woman wants the prerogative to change the restaurant or the movie. You got to work with that. Even after 31 years of marriage, I can tell you, you'll still have to work with that. But at least you got a plan, right? Because you're being the leader. And that's what women gravitate to. So in general matters, I'm, I'm going to repeat myself some things I've said in the last two weeks, but that's okay because some of you weren't here. So in general matters, which is like finances or purchases or major decisions, here's how it works. A husband sits down with his wife. Never make a major purchase. Never make a major decision without your spouse. You sit down with your spouse and you talk it out. You talk about the pros. You talk about the cons. You talk about what's going on. And then... And then you, you listen to your wife's wisdom. You listen to her thoughts. You listen to her feelings because women are feeling. And, and guess what? If you're about to take this family, you're wanting to push in getting into a major financial decision, but it's going to put you all under duress. And you know what that's going to make your wife feel? Insecure. Because she's afraid we might lose everything. Now you've just violated her most fundamental need, which is what? What is it? Yeah. See what I'm saying? So you got to sit down and listen to her and talk with her and get her thoughts. And she might show you something that you didn't see before. And collectively, you might come up with the best plan. But somebody's got to make the final decision. And ladies, that's when you look at your husband and say, honey, whatever you think we ought to do. Here's what I think we ought to do. We've talked about it together. But I'm going to leave the decision up to you. I can't tell you the number of times Leah's done that to me. You want to talk about pressure? That's pressure, isn't it, men? See, ladies, you don't understand. We men, we're not a bunch of, unless you're married to some autocratic dominating guy, then I feel sorry for you. But for most of us guys, we really do love you and we want to take care of you and the family. This is a lot of pressure. And that's why we want to hear from you so that you can kind of give us some help. And together, we do this together. But men, ultimately, we got to pull the trigger. You got to take the lead. Now, guys, listen to me. If that's the case, then that means you got to be the leader. I'll get into that in just a minute. But you make the best decision based on the collective effort with your wife in agreement. And let me just say this too, because I'm going to hit a lot of things today. Ladies, if you're a wife, you're married, and you have a job where you're in a leadership position, good for you. If you're a manager, if you're a business owner, if you're a CEO, if you're in the military and you're a major in the military, I don't care what it is. If you're in the government, you have a high government level 
position job, good for you. Go as far as you can go. I'm all for success. And if you've got one, two, three, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people under you, whatever, you're used to every day going to work, calling the shots, making the decisions, running everything, people jumping, that's wonderful. But listen to me, when you come home, you have to take that hat off and leave it in the car. Because when you walk in that house, you're not the CEO, manager, assistant manager, boss, whatever, principal. You're not that anymore. You know what you are? You're a wife. And you have to take all that off and walk in and guess who leads the home? He does. Pastor, that's really, I'm glad you said that, Pastor. You're really helping me on this. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad because the rest of these people just sitting here looking at me if you're listening about internet. Now, let me just say this. He says, uh, wife, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Don't worry, I got a lot for the men yet. As to the Lord. So let me just tell you what that means. Would you like to know what that means? That means you submit to your husband in the same way that you submit to Jesus. Right? Do you ever tell Jesus no? You're scared to answer it, aren't you? Because you have, and guess what happened? Things didn't go well, did it? Okay? You submit to the lordship of Jesus, the leadership of Jesus. As Jesus leads the church, the husband is to lead his wife and his family. So this isn't just me standing up here being a misogynist or patriarchal. No, this is me giving you the word of the living God and God's paradigm and plan for marriage, which is you are to submit to your husband just as you submit to the Lord. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you something deep. You submit to your husband because if you submit to Jesus, that's what Jesus wants you to do. Do I need to say that again? You submit to your husband because if you submit to Jesus, that's what Jesus wants you to do. And the last verse of this passage, verse 33, says that you are, wife, you are to respect your husband. And I looked that up, that, that word, and the old King James, I think, used the word fear. And I didn't, I didn't like that. The modern translators didn't like it. It really does not do justice to what this means. If it's going to talk about fear, at the best, it means reverential fear. Okay, so you are to have, look, let me just put it in simple terms. The role of leadership in the home to the, your husband is a God-ordained role. His authority is God-ordained. So wife, when you look at your husband in his leadership role, listen to me now. I'm not making this up. That's what the word respect means. It means that you are to look at it as if it were sacred. You know how you treat me as your pastor? You know how you look at me as your pastor? Because I'm your spiritual leader, okay? And you respect me and you have that kind of reverence toward me. Some of you will kid and joke with me, but you know you don't go too far because that's my pastor. He's over me in the Lord, all right? That's how it is with your husband. You can have familiarity. Same way with God. I have familiarity with God. I call him Papa God, but I sure don't get flippant with him because he's, he's God. He's my father, right? Same with your husband. There's familiarity. Matter of fact, wife, you have the greatest intimacy that anybody could ever have with this man, right? But at the same time, within the intimacy, you keep this deep respect that says, but you're the leader. I mean, you teach the kids that. That's why the kid, you never side, now I'm going to get into parenting, you never side with your kids against your husband because if you do, you've just disrespected him and you have just violated his God-ordained authority. 
You say, well, I don't agree with how he's doing things. You don't do it in front of the kids. You tell the kids, go to your room. I'm going to talk to your daddy. Then you take him back in a room and say, I know you're in charge, but what you're doing is not right. We need to talk about this. And you need to be ready because he may look at you and says, you're going by your feelings and what you're doing is not right. And you need to trust me. And then you need to submit. But if you're wrong, sir, then you need to know, you say, you know what, Dad, she's right and I got to admit it and this is going to kill me. And then you say, you know what, honey, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right on this one. Okay. You see how it works? Give and take. But you have to respect his role because ladies, you have to understand this is heavy on us. And we're trying to do the best we can. That's why you ought to pray for your husband. That God will help him to be the best. Don't criticize him. Pray for him. Help him. Add value to him so that he can be the best leader in the home that he can be. So husbands, that means you have to step up and be the leader. Especially the spiritual leader. If your wife is doing all the spiritual pushing in the house, you are not being the leader. You're the one to make sure everybody gets up in the morning, gets dressed. We're going to church. If your kids fight you, say, you better get in that car. I'll beat you black and blue, and I'll get an elder to pray for your healing, but you better get in that car. That's how you do. Don't you let that child tell you what to do. You're the, they're subordinate to you. Tell them, you get in that car. I don't feel like it. Well, I don't feel like doing a lot of things either, but I do it, and that's what I'm going to teach you. You're going to learn to do what you, this is called discipline. You're a disciple. This is what parents do. We exercise our authority for the edification of those who are subordinate to us. So, so lead, husbands, we have to step up and be the leaders. We have to be the leaders in the home. Now, what does that mean? Listen to me. This means you can't be lazy. You can't be passive. You can't be passive in your leadership. You gotta make right, godly decisions. You gotta pray. You, this, being the leader of the home will keep you on your knees. God, you gotta help me. Help me here. You gotta ask God for guidance. God, God what do I do here? I need your divine guidance. And listen to me. Guess what God will do? He'll answer your prayer. He'll give you guidance, man, because you know what? He wants your marriage to succeed. He wants your family to succeed. So Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, will give you the guidance and the help that you need to be the spiritual leader just like him. I don't want Leah to follow me because she cowers in front of me. I want her to follow me because she cares for me. Because here's what care says. I'm with you no matter what. We're in this thing together and I trust you to do what's best for me, what's best for us, what's best for our family, what's best for our future because I care for you and I know you care for me. Wives, that's what it means when we talk about submission. All right? How should a wife behave towards her husband? I'm just give you, husband, I'm just gonna give you some things on the screen. Respect him. Acknowledge his call as the head of the family. And then respond to his leadership and listen to him and praise him. Be unified in purpose and will with him and be a true helper because that's what God created Eve to be, right? A helpmate. And every leader will tell you they like people that are working with them, not against them. And so be a true helper. All right, hopefully some things can help you. And those are on the, uh, the app. If you say, man, I wish I had those. They're on the church app. You can, you can look at them there. All right, guys, it's your turn. Now, I'm gonna tell you something. Ladies, I know that's, Pastor, whew, that's a lot. Well, <laughs> there is three times as much material for the husband as there is for the wife. So that tells you kind of how God feels about we men. 
takes us longer to get it. Y'all are quicker than us. Okay, so guys, let's see if we can help our, ourselves here this morning. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to us. And here's what he says. Husbands, love your wives. Husband, make it singular. Love your wife just as Christ loved the church. Love your wife. Now, ladies, you're thinking, well, they get away. That's, yeah, love. Oh, no, wait, wait a minute. I'm going to really help you understand what this means. That's that, that's that word. If you've never heard it before, it's that Bible word called agape love. There are three words for love in the Bible, eros, filio, and, and agape. Eros is sexual erotic love. Filio is a brotherly line kind of love. You know, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. So there you got that. It comes from that Greek word phileo or filio. And then you have agape, which is a very unusual word, and it is a self-sacrificing word. It is a word that describes the love that God has for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. So God is saying through Paul to all of us husbands that we have to love you with that kind of love. Now let's go deeper. It's in the Greek agapete, and it means to continue to love or to go on loving. So continue to love your wife just as Christ loved the church. Go on loving your wife just as Christ loved the church. Let me say this, guys. You should love your wife every day just as you did on the day you took her as your bride. And if we put the previous verses with the wife, with this verse together, here's what we understand, men. This means that a husband is to love his wife and to lead his wife. You see that? Lover and leader. Don't leave her. <laughs> love her and lead her. And here's what we understand. Your love for your wife sets the context for your leadership of your wife. So I lead her out of love. And by the way, just throw this in there. You'd never know this, but it says, husband, love your wife. That word your uh, act, it functions as a possessive pronoun. So you are to love your wife, not another woman. And that reinforces the idea of monogamy and also reinforces the idea of fidelity to your wife. Now, let me just show something to you. This was a radical concept when Paul wrote this. In first century AD, the pagan culture was so bad. Women, you were nothing more than possessions and property. You were chattel. You were nothing but a thing. There is a Greek writer named Demosthenes, and I'm gonna give you what he wrote. I'm gonna give you the description of what society, you wanna talk about patriarchal, misogynist society? Now this is a society. Here's what Demosthenes says. We keep mistresses for pleasure, concubines for the day-to-day -day needs of the body, but we have wives in order to produce children legitimately and to have trustworthy guardians of our homes. So all you would do back then is help them have legitimate children, not bastards, and it was your job to watch over the house while the man was out there playing the field. That was the normality of that culture. Now, let's just be real, even though I'm a preacher, I do understand the world that you live in, the very secular, pagan, post-Christian world that we have in America. And I do understand, men, that there are men in this society, lots of them, millions of them, who have a wife to give them children and who are expected to take care of the house but at work, they're having an affair with the secretary and they go on business trips and they're out at strip clubs and getting with prostitutes. I know that goes on all the time. 
That's why I'm able to preach this in the 21st century and tell you we as believers in Jesus Christ don't do that and our lives are radically different and shine like a light in the darkness because we don't do like sinful men do that we work with. We are the difference. I remember sitting on an airplane, traveling overseas, and there were a group of military personnel on there. They weren't on it. This was a commercial flight, but they were flying on that commercial flight. And boy, you could tell they, this, was a, this was a rowdy group of guys, and they, they just kind of took over the plane. They weren't bad, and they were kind of entertaining to me. Well, they had a sergeant there, and I, they would rib the sergeant. They'd give him a hard time and pick on him and rib on him. And, and I was sitting by one of these, these soldiers, and as this long, we're on this long flight, and eventually the Sarge fell asleep, and I, I got into a conversation with this guy. Here's what he said. So we got to talk, and I said, what about that guy back there? He said, well, that's our sergeant. He said, we've been giving him a hard time. So we give him a hard time. I said, man, we love him. Our sergeant is so cool. And they said, you know what we like about him? Our sergeant, like, he's just, he's like, and I'm going to tell you what else we like about him. He said, we go over here, and, you know, so we guys, we're out here. We're out, we're out in the bars, and we're out doing all the stuff, you know, we do. He said, not Sarge. He goes back to his room. He's married. He's just fully committed to his wife. He never goes out with us. He always just goes back to the hotel room, back to the base, wherever he's at. He said, he's just, man, he's cool. Sarge is, Sarge is, Sarge is committed. He was bragging on the fact that their sergeant wasn't like them. Don't tell me that you don't shine. My pastor, woo, pastor, that's good. Preach on, I will. All right. So how do you love your wife like Jesus loved the church? Because that's what the passage says we're to do. I'm going to give it to you in three simple sections. Number one, love her with a self-giving love. That's what this word agape means. I already said it. For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus gave himself for the church by sacrificing himself for our salvation. So guys, here's what the Lord is saying to us, men. Husband, sacrificially love your wife. If necessarily, voluntarily suffer inconvenience, discomfort, and if, if necessary, even death for her benefit without expecting anything in return. Hey, women, if you'll be honest, if you got a good man, he's done it more times than you probably want to admit. You made him listen to some story about how you went through 12 pairs of shoes before you finally found these, and they're, they're $208. And he had to sit there and suffer through that story. I know, he makes you suffer through every account of that golf game or that hunting trip. But it's, it, 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 he had plans to go fishing and you made plans without asking him to go over to your mother's house. Now, do you think he wants to go to your mother's house or go fishing? He wants to go fishing because it's your mother. But you know what? You made the plans. And rather than having World War III or having a battle or doing it and then there's going to be a riff in the marriage, he just cancels it. Even though he was first and you didn't check with him, okay, I'll, I'll go tomorrow. I'll go now. And he, you, I know, see, we just do it. Because men, you ever notice how many times we just do it? We do it for a lot of reasons. We won't get into all the reasons. Sometimes it's just keep the peace. But we do it. Don't you love a preacher who just tells it like it is? 
but the fact is, most men that I know, they, they do that. They do that sacrificial kind of love. And ladies, what I'm just going to ask you is don't ever take it for granted. Don't ever take it for granted. If you got that, you need to, don't, don't abuse it. Be thankful for it. But guys, that's what we're called to do. We're called to do the things that, you know, you want to go do something else and you, she wants you to hang pictures. And you want to go work on your car. But you know what you got to do? You got to hang pictures. You see what I'm saying? That's what we do. We lead. So you love, well, let me just say this. Your wife loves what you give her and she loves what you do for her. But guys, she wants you. Am I right, ladies? So give her your time. Give. We're talking about giving, self-giving. Give her your time. Give her your attention. G give her your affection. Give her your devotion. Be sensitive to her needs and meet them. Be there when she needs you. Even if it means you have to change your plans because no one is more important to you than your wife. So that's a, so it's a self-giving love. Second, it's a sanctifying love. So I'm taking this straight from the passage, okay? I'm gonna let the Bible tell us about marriage. Paul starts comparing the church and Jesus as a marriage and then comparing it to our marriages as husband and wife. So there are these correlations. And if we nitpicked it, it would just, we'd be here for four hours. So I'm just gonna highlight the things that to me stood out. And if you'll go back to the passage and read it, it says that Jesus that he gave himself for the church that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, okay? So to sanctify means to set us apart to himself. So when we, you were saved, God set you apart from sin, cleaned you up in his blood and set you apart to himself, right? You're sanctified. How everybody knows in here, if you're saved, you're, you're a sanctified child of God. All right, it's also, and he cleansed us by the washing of the word. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's a cleansing effect and, and so we were clean. We were dirty in sin. When we get saved, we're clean. Now, here's the thing. I said, how does that apply to marriage? Here's how it applies to marriage, guys. You set your wife apart to yourself unto you, and there's no other woman. So you sanctify. Your wife always never needs, your wife never needs to feel like there's another woman that's competing for her attention. She, you set her apart. As you're it. She needs to hear you say, you're it. You're my love. You're my life. You're the one that I love. You're, you're the one. We're going to grow old together. Lee and I have this joke that we're going to die a notebook death. Y'all ever watch a notebook? We're just going to crawl up in bed one night and die together. That's, we just got it planned. I don't know how we're going to make it happen, but it's, you know, it's what we kid about. hope we're old when it happens, but anyway. Um, not tonight, but anyway. Um, you just you set her apart as she's the one, and she needs to know always. She's the, she, never that should there be anything that threatens that. And then you cleanse her. Well, you know, you can't cleanse your wife. But what does cleansing do? It removes the stuff that's not supposed to be there. And guys, your wife's not perfect. She has imperfections just like you. I mean, we have 10 times more than our wives do. But they still have faults. They still say things they shouldn't do, do things they shouldn't do. And what is your job? Your job is to forgive her. Your job is to, is to say, you know what? I'm so, I, I, you, know, you said, I'm sorry. I forgive you. I want, this, I want our marriage to be strong. And let's, this issue is resolved. Your job is to resolve it. That's why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. You, you, you don't ever go to bed mad. If you go to bed mad, you're violating scripture. And guys, let me just tell you about women. We get over it quicker than they do. They stew for three days, minimum. Minimum. Sometimes longer. Okay, and, and, and so you, if you're smart, 
you'll deal with it right then and there. If, if, if it's your fault, you deal with it right then and there. Get it, get it under the blood and then go to bed so that the next day it's, it's resolved. You sleep on it, the next day you can keep going. How many know God knows exactly what we need? Okay. Love keeps no record of wrong. And, and then he says, to present unto himself glorious, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy. And I think this emphasizes to us men about the spiritual condition of your wife. It is the husband's responsibility to make certain that his family is staying centered on God. So you should encourage your wife in her spiritual pursuits. And guys, never ask your wife to do something that is ungodly or sinful. Never. That's, you're a leader, of, a spiritual leader. And finally, love her with a sustaining and caring love. He said, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And then he went on and talked about how that, that the husband takes care of his, his, he loves his wife, loves himself. No one ever hates his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church, remembers of his body. So he talks about loving your wife as you love yourself. It's very similar to love your neighbor as you Love yourself, isn't that interesting? Love your wife as you love yourself. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. Here's the point, never love your wife less than you do yourself or anybody else. Never love your wife less than something else. Don't love your, don't love your classic cars more. Don't love your golf game more. Don't love, don't love watching ESPN or watching college. Don't let anything, don't let college football, don't let anything become a greater love than your love for your wife. Love her like she is a part of you because she is. And he uses these two words. I'm coming to a close. You nourish and you, you cherish your own body, which means you nourish and you cherish your wife. So how does this apply? You want to feed and nurture your wife. You want to meet her physical needs and you want to support her growth towards her own maturity. And you want to strive to warmly care for her and attend to her emotional and mental and spiritual needs. Let me just give you a quick example, guys. Guys, you ought to know your wife like your car. I know my truck. I'm, if my truck starts acting it up, I know immediately because I can feel it. All the men know what I'm talking about? You just, you become one with your, your vehicle. And you can just tell when something's wrong. Okay, well, you're one with your wife. And you should be able to tell when something's wrong. You should be able to tell what's going on in her life. And if there's an area in her life of weakness, an area that needs to develop, an area that she struggles in, listen to me, men, it is your job not to capitalize on it, not to use it against her in an argument, not to pick on her about it and make her feel bad. It is your job as a leader. It, what do we men do? We fix things. Right, guys? We fix things. It's in our DNA, ladies. We want to fix it. That's why when sometimes, guys, you get in trouble because your wife just wants to talk and you want to fix it. You start talking. You're going to give her three ways to fix it. And then she gets mad and you don't know why. You're like, but I'm trying to help you. I don't want you to fix it. You wives have all said it. I don't want you to fix it. Now we men don't know what to do at that point. We're lost. We got our toolbox. We're ready to fix it. We've already come up with three ways to fix it. Well, what do you want me to do? I just want you to listen. Why can't you just listen? We don't like to listen. It's hard for us to listen. But guys, that's how you fix it. You, you do this. But we fix things, ladies. We want to fix things. Guys, if you see, man, if you see something in your wife, an area that needs maturing, is your job to nurture that. Let me give you an example. Say your wife has low self-esteem. 
she has a hard time. She's always putting herself down. She has a hard time when she's in public. She, she has a hard time, just she has a low self-esteem. Your job is to build up her esteem. Honey, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. I don't look, I'm not beautiful. I'm not beautiful like other, you are, you are to me. You're, I don't care what anybody, who cares what anybody else looks like or what you, anybody else thinks. You're beautiful to me. Okay, you build her up. I think you're the best wife in this whole neighborhood. I was walking through this neighborhood. We were at the neighborhood party and I just want to tell you something. I mean, I couldn't help see all the wives. And, man, you look better than any wife in this whole neighborhood. I mean, you are, they just, I was ready to punch a few guys because I think they were looking at you. Because you're the best looking woman in this neighborhood. You, you build her up. It is a love that is sustaining and caring. Think of it this way. Jesus is doing all he can to help the bride, us, become all that we can be in him. So guys, you should be doing all that you can to help your wife become all that she can be too. That's what we do. I want you to stand with me and I want you to come down the altar and join me. We're gonna close out down here. Just good? Is this helping anybody? Okay. Thank you, Tim, for that amen. I appreciate it. One whole person. Yeah. I'm going to go look for a job tomorrow. <laughs> we poor Pentecostal preachers, if we don't get amens, we get lost. I kind of got past that a long time ago. I just have fun with y'all is what I do. If you ever preached like radio preaching or recording preaching, you just learn there's nobody out there. We've had a few times where I've preached and the, the recording didn't work. Y'all would never know this. I'm gonna tell you more than once, I've had to come back in the sanctuary and preach the entire sermon again to Pastor Billy. Heaven, the whole thing all the way through so we could put it on the internet so y'all could have a sermon to list. I kid you not. I have done it more than once, haven't I? Yeah. So I can preach without amens. So put the last screen up if you would, Taylor. So guys, how should a husband behave towards his wife? Love her. Sacrifice for her. Listen to her concerns. Take care of her. Be as sensitive to her needs and her hurts as you are to those in your own body. Last night, you would never know this. I was with, I was with a guy yesterday. We went turkey hunting. We were talking about marriage and on the way back, we were talking about the series of marriage and stuff. And I said, you know, the, what I don't like is people look at me and Leah, especially if you're newer to the church, and you'll see, you know, you see the Chris on the stage. Oh, they just look like they got it all together. It's not true. 31 years of marriage, we've had ups and downs. We've had tough times. We've had some times I got worried. I'll be honest. There have been, a few, there have been a couple of times in our marriage I've been worried. You think, well, Pastor, you shouldn't be telling that. <laughs> I know a lot of preachers. Matter of fact, I know big time preachers, well-known preachers. If I start calling their names, I could call their names right now and you would be in shock. And I'm not making it up. I know because I know firsthand. I have firsthand knowledge of TV preachers. People that you know, that if I called their names, you'd go, you gotta be kidding me. I'd say, uh-uh, they've had marital problems. So just because you're a preacher doesn't mean you don't have to go through the difficulties. Matter of fact, it intensifies because how would you like to live in a glass house where everybody's looking at you and your marriage? So preachers have it harder, I think. 
But last night, I'm gonna tell you a story you wouldn't even know, and I'm gonna tell this. Last night, Lee and I were at the house. I was tired. I didn't sleep good the night before. I, I woke up in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep. Got up at 5.30, went turkey hunting. We, were, we hunted almost till 12. We hunted hard, could not find one dadgum turkey. That is aggravating. We had a good time, sucking in pollen. My, shoe, my boots were literally green when I got my truck. They, had, they looked like they had green chalk all over them. Went home, could not sleep because I can't, it is hard for me to take a nap. Lee and I are at the house. I'm running errands. I'm doing some things, everything. Last night, I'm tired. I'm about ready to go to bed. I got to go in my study and study and spend a little time with Jesus. I'm about to go and Leah wants to talk. I don't want to talk. I got to go in here and do what needs to be done. I'm going to bed. I'm exhausted. I can't hardly, I, 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 she wants to talk. I got, I, I did the wrong thing. I, I got snippy with her. Oh, now you just don't know. See, y'all don't know. My wife's had her hair colored like 458 times in her life, but there is red tint in that hair because I know it when I married her. She was a strawberry, not blonde. She was a strawberry brunette. There's red in that hair, okay? Oh, I, I pushed the wrong button, buddy. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, I'm, and I mean, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. You didn't know this. I was going to stay, but talk to me. Well, then I, I made her mad. She don't want to talk. I'm not talking to you. No, you're going to talk to me. <laughs> y'all don't know. See, y'all think we got it together. Lady, just, just like y'all do, ladies. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, you are going to talk to me. I had to get to, I'd be the leader. Tell me now. You're going to tell me now. I'm not. And so I got her to open up and she, you know, we, 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 we've been married long enough now. You, she don't stew hardly as long now. And she just, and so I let her talk to her. I had to spend 20 minutes talking, but it helped her. Now guys, you understand what I'm talking about? That's what I'm trying to talk about. If I had to take my whole sermon, I probably could preach it in an anecdote. You're tired. You don't feel good. You don't always handle it right. But the reality is you sacrifice and you say, she's got a need. I need, I don't care if I'm ready to go to bed or I got to go study and get to bed. And I got to bed a lot later than when I was going to. But you know what? It didn't matter because it doesn't matter because I love y'all, but y'all aren't more important than my wife. It's just truth. So my point is, guys, that, that's what I'm talking about, man. You love your wife and you got to be there for her. Even if you're tired and you're snippy, don't be snippy. Be there for her. And I helped her. And when she got through, she said, you really, really helped me. Well, that was the best thing in the whole world. That was the best thing I accomplished yesterday. That would have been better than if I had a bag of turkey. I think they were all in Florida on spring break. I cannot find it. They're gone. They're gone. They've all left South Carolina. And what's worse is I have a member here who this morning texts me and says, happy Sunday, and he killed one this morning before church. I told him, I said, you're Photoshopping these. They're not real. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. If you're, if you're here and you're not married today, I want you to pray and say, Lord, I may not be married yet, but I'm married to you. Help me to be the kind of child of God and believer that is submitted to your Lordship. Help my life to reflect your life. Can you pray that today? And then I want you to pray as couples today or as a husband and wife. Your husband may not be here, maybe here, but just wherever you are right now, I just want to begin to pray. And I want you to pray and I want you to just pray for your spouse. I don't even pray for you right now. I want you to pray for your spouse. If you're a wife, I want you to pray for your husband. Say, God, help my husband to be the kind of leader that I need in my home. And for those of you, you know, the others, you, you pray for your wife. Say, God, I pray for my wife. 
Help me to love her and to take care of her. But where she can, help me to the kind of love where she, she'll always respect me and she'll follow my lead, God. Help me not to violate that. Come on, let's pray for one another. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for this series and I thank you for the opportunity to preach. And I thank you so much, God, for the Holy Scriptures. The Word of God speaks to every area of our lives. And I pray for every person here because we've got widows and widowers. We've got people that are divorced. I know this series it may not necessarily be the, 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 the may be hard for some of them. It may be painful. That's the only hard part about doing something like this is it may be painful. But God, I pray for them today that you'll comfort them and help them and speak to them. And then I pray, God, for those who aren't married yet but want to get married one day, that God, that they'll have learned some really positive, powerful truths from the Holy Scripture to help them that, that, God, you'll bring the right person into their life, a godly person. And then, God, for every marriage, that every marriage in this church will be strong. Help our men to be the leaders, the godly leaders that they ought to be. Help every wife to respect her husband and, and submit to her husband, and together they work together as a team. And that, God, you'll be glorified. Let people look at the marriages in this church and see that wonderful, beautiful picture of Christ and the church. And that will be a testimony of the wonderful thing you've done in us and what you're doing through us. God, help us as parents to show our kids a healthy, successful, functional, godly marriage. Doesn't have to be perfect. We don't always get it right, but sometimes it's how we repair it to keep it right that shows our kids this is how you do it. Help us, Lord, to be that light. And then in our places of work and in our community, that people can look at us and as models and examples of what a godly marriage looks like. And I just pray we'll shine the light. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.